What's good? Welcome back to Cosigned. If you're new here, I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Sam. We're your host of this very real, raw, <laughs> and hilarious podcast. <laughs> you're gonna love it. So go ahead, grab your snacks, your coffee, your wine, whatever your advice is, and let's get into it. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Oh my god. We're back. <laughs> so we hope that the information that we just gave you guys resonated with you or opened your eyes a little bit to, to something that maybe you yourself or someone else has struggled with. And like we've said many times so far, we all three struggle with it in different ways. And we're going to like just get really real and, and yeah. raw with you guys and have an open discussion about us ourselves specifically and what we've dealt with and how we've dealt with it or what it looks like for us and so on. So I know like me specifically, I deal with anxiety more than I do depression. There was a point last year, not last year, 2019, where I was at the job that Sam and I just had an episode about and I was not good mentally. It was actually before Sam got to that specific store and I had to go to my doctor and she did the screening that Madison was just talking about and it was so many questions and she was asking me these to my face. She wasn't, I didn't have to fill out a paper or anything after this whole questionnaire, basically. She was like, I can confidently say that you're dealing with severe anxiety and depression. Like, you have both of these. And she obviously walked me through, um, like, what the next steps look like, whether it was medicine, whether it was, you know, therapy. And I decided to go the medication route because of the specific medication that we were going to be putting me on. It was, I specifically was dealing with really bad anxiety attacks and panic attacks and shortness of breath. Like there were so many times on a, on a daily basis yeah, that yeah. I could not, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Like a, a elephant was sitting on my chest and I couldn't ever catch my breath. It was yeah, that feeling of, like, you know, when you have to yawn and you're in the middle of yawning, but it never finishes. Like you don't get that satisfaction of actually like catching your breath when you yawn. Mm-hmm. It was that yeah. all the time. And yeah, it was miserable. Yeah. It was sad. I remember you calling me. I was at work, I think like twice, and you, I, I like help, felt so bad I couldn't help you, you know, because I wasn't there. I know. Yeah. Even me like dealing with it and knowing it's different for everybody of how you cope with yeah. it and how, how you calm down. Like for me, nobody else calms me down like mom does. Like I'll yeah. call her. She knows exactly the way in my voice what I'm sounding like if I, like I don't even have to explain to her. She's like, okay, yeah. just breathe even if I even though I deal with it on a regular basis I still felt bad because I, I didn't feel like I helped you at all you know? <laughs> I did not I was like Don't just breathe just just breathe I was literally being my like, breathe, breathe. <laughs> um, the medicine that I was put on it took me a sec- like it actually didn't take me that long to realize that it wasn't helping me it was making me feel really dizzy and it made me honestly feel nauseous 
at this point when I was taking this, I was driving an hour and 15 minutes one way to work. So I was in the car and I was like, I, I can't operate a vehicle and be dizzy. Like I'm putting myself and other people in danger. So I went back to the doctor. She said that I was not supposed to be making me feel dizzy at all to counteract that to just eat food with it. And I was like, I do that. I do <laughs> do that, but it's making me nauseous, which is making me throw the food up. Okay. <laughs> so then nothing's on my stomach, and I still feel dizzy. So <laughs> I made the decision, and, it's, and I do not recommend this at all. So please talk to your doctor. Talk to a professional. This is just what I did. But I just, like, <laughs> took myself off the medicine. I just, like, yeah. stopped taking it. I didn't like the way it made me feel. And so I just decided that, you know what, maybe the medicine, the medication route is not the way I need to go. Maybe I just need to try other things. So I really made the decision to honestly like face it and which is really scary. And I knew the the triggering thing for me in this specific moment was my job. And I remember telling myself, okay, Mackenzie, what do you have control over? You might not have control over a lot of things. You clearly don't have control over the way you're feeling and like this anxiety. So what do you have control over? And I just kind of like empowered my mind to be like, okay, you know what? You're stronger than this. And I recognize when things would, would, when it would start to set in, I get really, and almost to the point where I don't mean to be mean, but I'm getting annoyed. (laughs) And, and I don't mean to be that way, but I'm like, okay, Mackenzie, what, what's happening? What's triggering you? Cause you're getting, you're being a, (laughs) like you're being a witch. (laughs) So I think it's important for everybody because you know, not everybody's going to be irritable when it first sets in. And especially for me, like other things set my anxiety in, like being in a vehicle, like raining, being in a car. It sends me to an entirely new level of anxious. Like, I will immediately want to cry. I I feel like I can't breathe, especially if I'm riding in the vehicle, especially if I'm a passenger. (laughs) It skyrockets my anxiety. Like, Sam, Madison and Sam. I can attest to this. (laughs) Like, it is bad. And I don't even, I don't even know where it comes from, honestly. Because when I had the one and only accident that I've had being in a passenger seat, it wasn't raining, but we did flip and I was out of control of that vehicle. So I don't know. I think it's just a mixture of, of all of it, because in my mind, I start to imagine all of the bad things that could happen to me and anyone else that's surrounding me in any other vehicle. That my mind immediately goes to the worst possible thing. Yeah. So mine, Mackenzie knows this a thousand percent, because it's usually when I'm in the car with her. But mine isn't just like raining. Mine is anything surrounding a a vehicle. Like my anxiety sets in a lot when I even think about getting in the car with somebody and I'm not in control. So like yeah. I try to like Same. like I am not a napping person on a yeah. trip. Like I, I don't like to sit in the back seat. I like to be in the front. Probably shouldn't do that. I feel sick in the back seat. <laughs> But in the front seat, I feel like I can see everything. I can, like, control things. Like, I can see if the driver, whoever's driving, isn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I can, like, tell them or warn them. And and so Mackenzie gets so irritated at me when we take, like, (laughs) trips. Because I'm, like, I'm the one that, like, hits the window. And I'm, like, (laughs) and I put, I might as well just have, like, a hole through the floorboard where my foot goes to try to break myself. (laughs) Foot stoning it. It's like my mom teaching me how to drive. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible. 
but yeah, so I, I just, I know exactly how fast it could happen. I think that's what, where a lot of my anxiety, and you're not in control. See, I don't really like, I don't really have anxiety when I drive. The only thing that really puts me on edge is I cannot stand to be beside tractor trailers. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I will literally go a hundred miles an hour to get yeah, away from well. well. <laughs> Like it, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. I feel like when I'm beside them at any moment, they're coming over. Like, oh yeah, yeah, they're swirling. But as far as um, I know, I just spoke a little bit about panic attacks and anxiety attacks. All three of us have had them, and if you've never actually had it, because they're different. Anxiety attacks are different than panic attacks. Anxiety attacks just. You know, there's, you're just so anxious that it's just overwhelming feeling and you just can't settle yourself. Panic attacks feel like you're dying. Right. Panic attacks are something that will completely overtake your body to the point where you are showing physical signs. Like I said, where you are sweating, you are restless, you are, your heart is beating, like literally feels like you were having a heart attack. Breathe. You can't breathe. Things are close. Like your eyesight, like it feels like the walls and like everything's just getting dark and you can't, yes. you can't, it's, you're just like falling back into a hole that you cannot get out of. Yeah. And you know, um, everyone copes with them so differently. And mm-hmm. like, my mom always had really bad panic attacks as well. And so when I started having them, I was really lucky to have someone that really knew what it felt like to be in that moment. And my mom, when she was going through them really, really bad, went to counseling and actually had a therapist teach her certain techniques, how to come out of them. And she actually started doing that with me. So one of the things that I know about myself, when I have them, I need everyone to leave the room and I need to be by myself. I don't want anyone trying to touch me, trying to ask me what's wrong. Don't speak to me. Just my mom, when I started having them, she would leave the room. You know, it gets all the way down to how you're breathing, what you're telling yourself in the moment. And she Mm -hmm. actually coached me to be able to bring myself out of them quicker. So, you know, this, this isn't professional advice, but therapists, counselors can, because everyone's is different. What I need to get out of mine may not be what, what someone else needs. So it's so important to know that there are people that can teach you how to move and walk through those. I think like whenever mine first started, it's been so long now. I think mine first started when I was like 19 or 20 and I didn't even know that's what it was. I just thought something was super wrong with me. Like, I didn't know what was going on. So I would always call my mom. And mine, because I didn't know what was wrong with me, mine started out as turning into panic attacks. Mm -hmm, Because I would, like, freak myself out. Like, oh, God, I can't breathe. And now I can't breathe less because now I'm realizing I can't breathe. And so I would just freak myself out to the point where I'm like, I'm hyperventilating. And she's she's scared. And I think it's just her, like, her comforting me helped. Um, and yeah. for the longest time, that's the only way that I could calm down was to talk to her. Now, <laughs> I, since I've dealt with it for so long, I recognize when it's coming on. Most of the time, sometimes I can't. But mm-hmm. I try to find something that's comforting or soothing to me, like taking a bath, bubble bath, or calling one of them. Or, I mean, as silly as it sounds, going shopping. Not even if I buy anything, just like window shopping. It just mm-hmm. takes my mind off of it for a little while so I just try to take myself out of the situation so and a lot of people don't understand that in, unless you go through I've it. dealt with it 
Right. And, you know, a lot of you had said what triggered yours. And I remember I first started having panic attacks after the first time I experienced physical abuse from somebody. And then I was assaulted later in my life. And that really was when they were really bad for a long time. So PTSD is a real thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes people can cope and move on. And sometimes it's, it takes a little longer. For me, I've noticed that I can be fine for years. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it's just one moment or, you know, anything can just trigger that and bring it back. So as much as you can do everything to heal, it's okay that it still comes back sometimes. I think that like I did, I was doing so well with my anxiety specifically. I've like, I've like stopped taking my medication for it and everything. And then everything happened with our dad. And that just like sent me on another way, like another level of it and it was more panicky then because like I don't want to leave my sister I don't leave my brother I don't leave anybody because what if something happens to them when I'm not there in case a lot of you don't know which you should we've talked about it a few times before mine and my sister's father passed away last year in May um and May 23rd will actually be a year and it's absolutely insane to think that we've had a year without him but We wanted to bring it up because, one, it's May, and two, because our dad dealt with things that we can see so clearly now around mental health and around depression um, and just sadness in general. And grief in itself, regardless if it's a grief, a loss of a job, a loss of a friend, a loss of a parent, a loved one, a pet, like loss of any kind. And doesn't necessarily mean have to mean like physical loss. That can onset certain mental conditions or mental health disorders that you may or may not have suffered from previously. Yeah. And or it can heighten or it can bring back them if you have and you've kind of overcame it for a little while and now this has happened, like Madison just said. And our dad I'm not going to go into a whole lot of specifics about the cause of death, but my dad was really sad and he did suffer from depression. At least me and Madison think so. But our dad was also one who did not believe in depression. He did not believe that it was a real thing. And he thought that, you know, it was just, I mean, Madison kind of talked to him a little bit more about it than I did, but you know, she was talking specifically to him about herself. I had just, I really didn't want to talk to him about it because he was always like that person was just like, well, you know, just rub some dirt on, you know, literally right. he was that person. Nothing was ever as big to him as it was to us or me specifically. I just wanted to talk to him. My grandmother was sitting there with me whenever I talked to him about it. And I just brought it up and said, hey, I went to the doctor last week and I'm prescribed this because of this, you know, I'm, I'm depressed and He's like, well, why? And he kind of giggled and it bothered me. So I just started crying because I'm the oversensitive one. And I was like, why are you laughing? And he's like, I'm not laughing at you for what you're saying. I just think that's not real. Like, you're not depressed. Literally, he told me I wasn't depressed. Right. I was like, (laughs) well, I was just like, I don't even want to talk to you about it anymore. He's like, well, you're not. Like, don't say that. Don't say that stuff. And I wonder now if it's because he just truly did not want that for me. He was in denial for me. Or if he just did not want to believe it or he knew he was depressed and he didn't want that for me. You know, I don't know. It could be a number of things, but he just was so adamant that that was not a thing. And I think it's so because 
Anxiety more than ever, especially over the last few years, has become more and more common and more and more talked about rather than depression. And people, our parents and our grandparents, like we said, it was such a taboo topic, you just didn't talk about it. It was, it's not, that's not a real thing. Like, you're not depressed. Like, you're, you might just be sad right now, but you're not depressed. And And like we said, especially men. Right. Mm -hmm. And our dad was looking back at things that, you know, he was dealing with. And I think it's just so, it's, it's mind opening to realize, okay, we can see now, or we knew, we knew kind of always what was happening, but we didn't know the, the weight of it we didn't know if it was that it was as bad as it was and unfortunately the actions that he was taking you know ultimately led to him getting sick but if you are seeing your parents specifically we're not talking about yourself now but if you have a parent that is dealing with certain things or you may recognize some symptoms in them I urge you to talk to them about it even if they don't take you seriously, the more times that you talk to them about it, hopefully the more open they become to it. Right. Me and Madison wish more than ever that it was a it was an ongoing conversation. Especially me. I carry so much guilt. I noticed this. Why didn't I say something? People will tell you a lot by how they speak and how they speak about certain things. People will tell you a lot by how they speak and how they speak about certain things. I didn't realize that he was depressed because of the way he acted. I realized he was depressed by the way he talked to me. Yeah. And what he said. So I think it's important to listen to what people are saying or how they're saying things to you rather than how they look on the outside. That exactly, because it's so invisible. And you talk about like paying attention and not looking at how people act. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best examples that the whole world saw was when Robin Williams took yeah. his life. Absolutely. Um, I was gonna that say. was the most shocking. I feel like everyone was just like, what? Like, there's right. no way. But, you know, you read so many things that he says, and he's like, one of his most famous quotes, the worst thing in life isn't being alone. It's being surrounded by people who make you feel alone. And, you know, you would never have known by how he acted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like we knew him personally, but we knew him as an actor. The whole world did. You never know what someone is going through. That's why we wanted to talk about these things today, because it's so, so and I keep saying the word important, but it really is important to have these conversations with yourself, with your parents, with your children, with your friends, with anybody that you love and care about, and just literally just ask them if they're okay and not like you good like are you okay like how are you like how are you dealing with life how are how are you doing today or this week or this Mm -hmm. month or this year like whatever it looks like have start the conversation yeah um absolutely I know that we didn't really touch on it a whole lot and you haven't really struggled with it the same that you have before or did in the past but um between the two of us you have suffered a little bit more from severe depression yeah I was realized I was depressed I think when 19 or 20 it was around the same time the whole anxiety thing happened so to be honest I think the anxiety set in worse after I realized I was depressed and so I just had all these feelings building up and I didn't know what to do with them so I just kind of got like angry all the time. I was just yeah. angry, 
irritable, didn't want anybody around me. Didn't, I wanted to be away from my family. Didn't like, I wanted to just go out and I did not care what I did, what I did to myself, like who I surrounded myself with. I mean, I smoked cigarettes, you know, I did all, I drank, I did all kind of stuff. I did not care. And I was, I sat down one night. I remember I was actually, I think in like Dylan's room, making me sleep in one night and I was just laying there. I was like, let me look up like symptoms of depression and like what you actually feel. And I went to like an extensive search. I was like, Oh my gosh, I wonder if that's what it is. And I just kept an eye on it and realized it got, it got to be a problem when I just had no, no will to like get up every single, like every morning I would, I mean, Mackenzie knows I was sleeping till like three o'clock in the afternoon. Did not want to get up to do anything. If I did, I didn't talk to anybody. You would not see me for till like the end of the week. Because I would just go to work, get home after everybody's asleep, stay up until three, four o'clock in the morning, go to sleep, wake up at four o'clock in the afternoon. Like I was slept all the time. Like I didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to see me. So I just, it got to a point where I felt extremely disgusted with myself. And the only way I felt out of it was to not be here. Like I don't want to be emotional. It feels empowering to talk about it now because I got through it, but like nobody knew that to my knowledge, they didn't know. I know I had talked to Mackenzie about it like a day or two before I even talked to my mom, but she was like, when I finally got the nerve to even say anything to them, we were like in what home goods or something (laughs) or somewhere (laughs) silly. And Mackenzie was like, what is like, what's going on with you? I can just tell it's like written all over your face, your body language. You're not yourself. Like what's happening. And I told her and she's like, you need to tell her right now. And so I told my mom, she instantly got like angry and then she calmed herself down and she was crying and was like, I think the, the anger feeling was fear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she was like, what do you mean? And she had asked me if I ever thought about, you know, suicide. And I said, yes, all the time. And she lost her mind. Felt like I knew that would kill her, obviously, but I didn't know until she expressed it to me. Like she was angry that I would even think about doing that to them. I dealt with it for a while. At that point, I'd already written a letter to her specifically. Like the only, the only thing that made me not do that was Mackenzie and my mom. Just thinking about leaving them. You know, I knew I had a nephew on the way, or I think he might have, I think he was on the way. He hadn't been born yet. And I thought about, he'll never meet me. And even if he does, he won't remember me, you know? So I just thought about all that. And it was really my mom and my sister that made me realize that I could, I could fight whatever is bothering, whatever demons I'm dealing with, I can deal with them. So I feel a lot better going to the doctor, talking about it, getting help. And it's been a little struggle ever since, but definitely, definitely would probably never go back to that point, that mindset I was in. Well, I just want to say, (laughs) no, I just want to say that like, just you even talking about it is makes you so strong. And, and I don't want to get emotional, but I just, I just know that like, I can remember when you were dealing with it. And I just, I I, I wouldn't even know what to do if you had acted on that. So guys, if you have somebody who, you know, something's not right. And even if they get mad at you for asking them, like, what's wrong all the time, like, still ask because... At least they know that you... At least they know that you care and that you see it and they're not invisible. 
Mm-hmm. And, That's how I felt, I think. And if they actually do tell you that they're having thoughts about these things, like, taking their life, or there's no other way for them to, like, keep going on and living, our first reaction, of course, out of fear, is to to be almost selfish and be like, no, you can't leave me. Yeah. Um, but you have to dig a little deeper and figure out, like, what's wrong, like, what's happening and help them. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't, like, I know there's a lot of stigma around suicide in general. And, you know, there's some people who feel like it's a selfish act. And some people who don't understand it. And some people who feel like it's a weak thing to do. It honestly makes me so sad to think about someone being so sad. Yeah, and and feel like they have no other way out. And if you are feeling that way, please, 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 please talk to somebody and tell somebody. Talk to us. Like, our messages are always open. Like, just get it out and, and find someone that w- will listen to you and help you because you are so much better than what is going on in your yeah. mind and you are so much stronger than that. And it's not a mental health issue, anxiety, depression, body dysmorphia, bipolar disorder. Like none of these things are weaknesses. They are treatable and they are beatable and you can you can beat it. You can beat anything. And you, I'm sorry for, I didn't mean to get emotional. But yeah, Sam, did you? Um... I won't go into too much detail, but you know, just with everything that Maddie said, with depression and suicide and when I was assaulted I was assaulted by someone that I knew that I had been around that I honestly felt comfortable around and after that happens to you it's really just a really long road after you go through blaming yourself and I mean that's what victims do a lot anyways is blame themselves you know I, I shouldn't have been drinking. I, I shouldn't have been at this party. You know, I should have, I should have done this or I shouldn't have done that or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was when my panic attacks really, and my PTSD, like really, really escalated. I started drinking a lot after that. And just to be transparent, I started taking drugs, just anything that I could to just not feel. And um, I remember my mom really being the one to confront me about it and ask me, have you thought about killing yourself? And, you know, it's just like you said, Maddie, I, I was like all the time, you know, I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to deal with this. I don't. And you know, when someone violates you in any way like that, you don't want people to touch you. You don't trust people. And it really just, you go into this hole and, you know, thank God for my mother. I probably wouldn't be alive without her. And just someone that was really, really paying attention when no one else was, Yeah, you know? So, yeah, I mean, just everything you said, that's, I feel like anyone who's gone through depression or suicidal thoughts or any form of severe trauma, that's, I mean, it's normal, but you can get through it. And this is why, like Mackenzie was saying, it's so important to just pay attention because if my mom would not have paid attention, I I honestly don't think I would be alive. And that's a scary thing to think about because there's so many people out here who don't have parents that pay attention or friends that pay attention or or yeah. feel like they don't. We're going to say it so, more times than you can count, but we've been there at different levels. No level is greater than the other. Mental health is mental health and the road to healing is not linear. Like it, it looks different for every single person and like Madison said, she started doing research on, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Like, is this it? And, you know, Sam 
mentioned. Well, first, I wanted to mention the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It is 24-7. Someone will always be available to talk to you. So I want to put that number out there. That's 1-800-273-8255. And just to go back, this is the one you can go if you think you, you know, are suffering from a mental health problem or depression or anything. You can go to this website. You can take a health conditioning screening. It's completely anonymous. And that is helpyourselfhelpothers.org. And you guys, we're going to put that in the, in the description. And we're also going to put that information along with a lot of other information on our Instagram, which is co.signpodcast. So all of that and more will be available to you. And before we end the episode, I just wanted to acknowledge that it's going to be a year for our family that we've lost our dad and one side of our family just recently lost our uncle as well. But we just wanted to acknowledge that our dad, it'll be a year and that we miss him so, so much. And we think about him and talk about him literally every single day. And in case you guys were wondering, Sam's uncle that I mentioned asked all of you guys to be thinking about last week. Sam, you want to give us a little update on Uncle Boo? Yes. So I actually got to speak to him. He is out of ICU. He had a severe infection that he's actually still fighting. So he has to stay on the antibiotics for a few more weeks just to make sure that they keep it under control. But as of right now, I told Mackenzie it's hilarious because and me and my brother and my dad were talking to him on speaker and he was on all kinds of painkillers. He was laughing. <laughs> um, he never, ever cusses. And and like I told Mackenzie, he said, I'm f***ed up. <laughs> like, and he, and he was just laughing and joking. And, you know, he, he wasn't able to speak. You know, we weren't able to even speak or have him open his eyes for almost two weeks. So it was really great to hear his voice. And as of right now, he's he's doing well. So thank you. We've been thinking about him. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Well, I really hope that you really found this episode (laughs) helpful and empowering and informative. And Um, honest. We really just wanted to get on here and not only tell you about mental health awareness, but to tell you our experiences. And we say it every week, every single Tuesday, coming (laughs) at you with a brand new episode. So we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Oh my god. 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 Oh my god.